Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese podcast is taking all it to All right, home. all right, all right. It's another Firing Squad, everybody. It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman joined as always the Barney to my Fred Chad Sowash is in the house and today we are happy to welcome Giannis Kralis CEO and co-founder at Hyperjob Giannis welcome to Firing Squad hey what's up Joel great being here (laughs) he's excited obviously well Giannis for our listeners that that don't know you give us a little bit about you the person before we get into the company yeah sure Um, born and raised in Riga Latvia that's the Baltic countries Um, US educated spent four years uh, in Philly at UPenn got my bachelor's there Uh, two more years in New York uh, my master's there in between those two things I traveled across the world was living in West Africa Middle East Far East in a completely unrelated sector, the oil and gas. But then I came back to Latvia in, uh, was that, 2016, founded an NGO for networking with people like myself, you know, people who come back with this global experience. And through that, segued into my first business, which was a recruitment agency, uh, specifically tailored to bring more talent to the more talent to the Baltic countries. Yeah, I love music. I play pretty much the guitar, the keys, the drums now. Um, I have a wonderful one and a half year old at home, lovely wife. And uh, yeah, that's, I guess, what, what is bio. the most famous band from Latvia of mm. all time? <laughs> you wouldn't know it, <laughs> but <laughs> we have a band called Brainstorm. It's basically like they've written Ooh. half of the pop rock songs in the country. I like the name. Brainstorm. Yeah, they've been going, I'm down. Yeah, they've, been, <laughs> they've been going for like, I don't know, 25 years now or something. Still super I'm popular. I'm down for yeah. brainstorm. I'm down for <laughs> I'm brainstorm. Down. Chad, Chad, give him some brainstorm and tell him what he's won today. <laughs> well, welcome, Giannis, to uh, the firing squad. Now, this is how it's going to work, my friend. At the sound of the bell, you're going to have two minutes to pitch Hyperjob. At the end of two minutes, we're going to hit you with, you know, 20 minutes or so of Q&A. So be sure to be concise. We're going to get hit by the crickets. That just means move along, tighten it up, and, and be swift about it. At the end of Q&A, you're going to hear either a big applause, which means you've passed hyperspeed, passed ludicrous speed. Congratulations, <laughs> you've gone plag. The golf clap. <laughs> hyperspeed oh. might be on the roadmap, but you're nowhere near hitting that velocity. Try harder or the firing squad. No hyperspeed for you, kid. You'll be lucky to break the speed limit in the school zone with this satellite. Junk it and start over. That's firing squad. Are you ready? Absolutely. That's great. God, I love a good Spaceballs reference. All right, Giannis, pitch the company starting now. So Hyperjob allows companies to replace their plain text job descriptions with interactive and engaging job microsites. Um, These microsites have helped um, our customers convert passive candidates uh, up to to improvement of either from 60 to a percent to six times. Um, The... uh, 
what I mean by microsites is basically each job description. We move it from plain text, you know, type, typewriter era into a unique web page for each position that features everything about the company. It features multimedia such as images and videos, including the welcome video from the hiring manager. Then moving on to what is the pitch from the company, what are the requirements on the position, uh, what is the team like, uh, every, everything around uh, also uh, the office, uh, you know, hybrid, is it remote, uh, going into details like uh, what's the hiring process like. So basically, do you have a full picture of the position? And um, yeah, we have uh, great candidate feedback on that. So like I said, better, better improvement, uh, uh, kind of improvement in conversion ratios. On top of that, uh, we're right now building a delivery mechanism to help companies engage with passive candidates better. Uh, so in the kind of space of outbound recruitment, um, we have uh, a CRM. Uh, we have, are leveraging AI to help uh, recruiters build shortlists out of screen profiles on LinkedIn to uh, reach out to candidates uh, in an automated but personalized way. Um, yeah, so going for the full toolkit to engage with passive talent. Finally, there's analytics. You know, for employer branding teams, if you know, compare regular plain text positions, you can't really analyze much there. We have a full scope of you know any that any marketer would do uh, you know on a landing page. You know, visits, uh, bounce rates, uh, section clicks, so that you can actually improve the uh, c- conversion uh, rates. Uh, the inspiration for Hyperjob comes from the realization that. In many ways, recruitment is marketing and sales, yet where marketers have great tools available to source and reach out to and convert leads. All right, Giannis. Yes, yeah, we need to bring this over. It's, it's yep. now over. All right, Giannis, as we normally do on Firing Squad, let's start with the name, hyperjob.io. Hyperjob.com is for sale. Did you investigate Ooh. buying that? What's the what's the story behind the name Hyperjob? The story is, yeah, I guess the, the kind of illusion was with text and hypertext, right? The old days of internet where HTML comes in, Mm -hmm. where you kind of move from analog, which is literally a typewritten document into something that has links, can be clicked, is digital. So we said, you know, job descriptions and hypertext comes together in hyperjob. So yes, that's the kind of the core product. Uh, We haven't bought the .com yet. Uh, We don't really see the point just now, but you know mm. we have looked at it. Have you explored the price tag? Have you explored like what it would take? <laughs> if it was five hundred dollars, it would be ours. But I think it was like twenty k or something. So okay, uh, we're well, like not okay. a not at this moment, but you know it's on the radar. All right, well, let's yeah, talk yeah. about money for a second. You guys are uh, largely bootstrapped. You founded uh, the company a couple of years ago. You raised about five hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. Uh, is is a Series A or a seed round in the offing? Are you going to continue to bootstrap it? Talk about funding. Um, yeah, sure. So we've raised through through accelerators uh, by this point in our pre-seed round. Um, right now, we are still actually evaluating two options. Uh, we will continue bootstrapping for a while, two reasons. We actually want to get more 
customer feedback and build the product out before we go into the seed round. And the second part is, well, you know, it's no secret that the fundraising environment right now, especially in HR tech, is amazing. Um, so <laughs> gotta maybe wait a bit more to actually have really a better round. It doesn't have the price tag that a Silicon Valley uh, headquarters might have. Yes, that is saving us. It's actually is making us <laughs> way easier to, uh, to bootstrap. However, that's a problem when it comes to raising from the U.S., because when we're doing the pre-seed round, American investors are like, first off, what is a pre-seed round? Because we do like maybe angel rounds. And why are you raising so little? And I'm like, well, here's an explanation. It just, it's not as costly to build something here and sell back to the US. So um, yeah. So let's talk about the experience here. You went from oil and gas, which is a slightly lucrative industry, to a not so lucrative industry in some cases, HR. So why, why make that move? Yeah, I just love people, you know. <laughs> no, don't give me the bullshit answer. I want the real answer, Giannis. Yeah. <laughs> a little honesty, the oil and gas gig, I, just, I love the energy industry. Actually, my master's is in energy. I, I mm-hmm. like it. But Put it very bluntly, Latvia is a small country. We don't have that kind of an industry here. There's not a lot of opportunity. So I knew I wanted to come back here. And I just knew that, hey, this could, this could remain in my background, but I need mm-hmm. to find something else here. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, HR for myself is kind of an accident. I'll be frank. Uh, I stumbled into it. Um, the idea, why, how I got into this, as I was saying, is you know, we had this network, uh, these meetups of like globally experienced Latvians in Riga. And I kind of also stumbled into that. And at some point, employers started coming to our meetups and saying, hey, do you have some good talent, like people who are looking for work? And to me, basically a scream, like Here, here's the business opportunity. We have a good network and there's a good demand for it. So that's how the first recruitment agency was born. And, uh, okay. you know, Yeah, I was a newcomer Mm. and man, in the first year I discovered like every reason why there's like so many different clauses in these like recruitment contracts. (laughs) So let's jump into, let's jump into the company real quick. How many employees do you currently have? Uh, We have six in the core team and uh, two and a half freelancers, like two full time. Okay, so you have more products than you have employees because your product, uh, at least the product list on the website is source, source and match, attract and engage, convert, which are your microsites, uh, manage and nurture, analyze and improve, integrate uh, and collaborate. I mean, that's the, the products or even services that are more staffing services. But those are some very extensive technologies in, in that list of products. You've only been around for two years. So why are you focusing so heavily on the convert product, which to be quite frank, it's just a microsite. Microsites have been around for well over a decade. Why are you focusing so heavily on that product? Mm, well, because it's actually a, a real innovation in the sector. We, in these two years, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but sure. we haven't really seen the same approach. The, the basically, like the, the spotlight on, hey, you know what? Your job description or job ad, job post, whatever you want to call it, actually makes a big difference in the results or the performance of your outreach and how you can attract people. So that's the first thing. And, you know, when you're, for example, (laughs) we've uh, we've done some uh, A-B tests with uh, some uh, customers of ours, right? So imagine like, you know, source 50 people and 50 people, get them the same kind of outreach messaging sequences. 
And in the test batch, like you get two interviews and with Hyperjug, the 12 interviews and candidates are like, wow, this is great. But a microsite is different than your attract and engage, right? The attract and engage is, is that's outreach. I'm talking about microsites. So let's not blur the lines here real quick. Have you ever heard of a company called Jobs to Web? No, I haven't, unfortunately. So more than 10 years ago, they were actually bought uh, by SAP. applicant tracking system. Yeah, SAP, but it was- Success it was factors. Yeah, success factors. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, this was a big trend more than 10 years ago before you obviously got into this space. Uh, most applicant tracking systems, most uh, organizations have this type of quote unquote content management system. That's more of a cosmetic layer. But the problem is, Giannis, they don't fucking use it. So how can you make it easier for them to actually use it and make it more practical so that they can get more uh, qualified and relevant candidates? Um, Yeah, sure. So behind the microsite, we have this builder and we've made it very, very easy for people. It takes about 20 minutes to fill out information check a couple of boxes and you have that branded and ready to go. 20 minutes per microsite? Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Plus, once you filled out the company profile, right? Again, it's about this content management. Um, if you look at traditional job ads or job posts, right? They're all copies of each other. It's analog, messy, text-based information. Um, here we have structured information, right? Once you filled out, let's say, um, something on your company's profile, right? Right now, we're like 300 people. You know, in a month, we're about 400 people. I don't need to update all the job posts individually. There's like centralized content management that we have. Um, and plus the ease is also, right, you'd never start with a blank page. Um, you have a framework that you fill out in our builder. So, you know, a, your hiring manager can talk to the recruiter and use that as a way to, okay, what is the assignment? What are we offering? What's the role like? And you're done. Because otherwise, you know, typically what ends up happening is you have an intake interview that takes about, you know, about an hour or so. It generates a lot of information. Then you never, you, in, in plain text, you, you never want to like present a Tolstoy novel. So you kind of throw most of it out and then you hide it from your candidates. And then you go back and kind of re-explain everything to people when they're actually, you know, kind of in the first intro interviews. If you use modern UI, you can have a wealth of info. Um, and at the same time, don't overwhelm uh, your potential candidates. So I don't know if that answers your question, but... So Chad went back in the day with JobsTweb. I'm going to go back in the day uh, with another one that Chad will probably know and you will not, a company called Visual CV. Uh, the mm. idea of the company was that instead of a text-only resume, you'd have pictures and screenshots of your degrees and videos, etc. It didn't take off for a variety of reasons, but one of the main reasons it didn't take off was because computers need to index your resume so then it can go into an ATS and it can be searchable and, and, and spiders can understand what's on the resume. When you start throwing columns and pictures, it gets really confused. Let's fast forward to today. You have Google for jobs that needs to be sort of easily read a job. You have programmatic solutions. You have XML feeds of your jobs. And all this stuff is based on and founded in the belief that your text will be easily indexed. Everything will go into the, into the machine and get spit out in a standardized way. You're nodding your head very aggressively for the <laughs> listeners out there. Uh, so my question is, why do we need pretty jobs when we have Google for jobs, programmatic, 
XML fees, all these things go against what you're doing. Convince me that we need pretty job postings instead of standardized ones. So all of what you mentioned is addressing the job seeker market, right? It's inbound. You post your job, people apply, people who are looking for your jobs. However, with the expansion of the talent gap uh, or you know the talent shortage, again, not mm-hmm. talking about right now, but just two years ago, you would see a rise in outbound recruiting, right? When people, the right people don't apply, what do you do then? You have to go out and hunt for them or reach out on, let's say, LinkedIn, other platforms. Mm-hmm. And here, actually, you as a recruiter, you are the applicant because they get, po- you know, they get like 30 to 40 recruiter messages then every month. So then it's a question of how do you stand out? Right. And if you are trying then to sell and market to somebody, right, they're not mm-hmm. coming to you, you are coming out to them, it plays a big difference, you know, from your just plain text to actually having something that acts as a sales material. Mm-hmm. So that's the short answer. The analogy, I would say, you know, <laughs> given my uh, my background and the unfortunate fact that I was born in the Soviet Union, you know, there were no products there, so there was no marketing. You know, like whatever you know, you would throw on the shelves, people would buy. It's mm-hmm. the same way, right? If, if customers are coming to you like, hey, I want to work for you, it doesn't really matter that much. Yes, true. But for the roles, you cannot close via traditional channels where talent is becoming scarce. You mm-hmm. need to fight for it. You need every tool needed. And that's why, you know, uh, when, you know, to Chad's question, why are we focusing so much on conversion? That's where conversion is really important, right? Yep. Give them a good pitch. Find them in a better way, personalize the outreach, convert at every point of the way. It's a better handout than most, essentially, a piece of, of collateral, essentially, to pass to a candidate to get their attention. Yours is pretty Exactly. So let's, so let's talk about sourcing for a second. So a big part of your product suite is we go out to LinkedIn, we message folks, which I'm assuming is in mail and not trying to grab an email address or phone number, you could talk about that. But essentially, you're leveraging LinkedIn a lot to source. Now, we've seen a lot of volatility, to say the least, in the sourcing business in the last couple of years. We've seen Q get sued to oblivion by LinkedIn. We've seen Hiring Solved go out of business, essentially. We've seen Seek Out pivot. We've seen Hire Tool become Hire Easy. I'm scared about the future of sourcing as a business. Convince me that you're going to be bulletproof. Right. Why is sourcing happening? It's because it's basically a a market response to a shortage of talent. And the two trends I'm thinking about is the shortage doesn't seem to be going away in the long term. If you look at, you know, the the smart people at, uh, I know, Corn Ferry, they, you know, McKinsey, they've kind of evaluated that we're just not churning out enough skilled people in the IT space and like digital services and so on. And the second thing is demographics, right? Uh, you know, boomers are retiring. Gen Z is a small generation, not going to replace everybody. It just points to the fact that there will not be enough talent for everybody. Um, again, right now we're in a dip. It's a bit of a respite. Let, let me rephrase my question yeah. a little. So there's oh. the future sourcing, and I do agree, like there will still be recruiters trying to find needles in the haystack. My fear is that the automation piece connected to LinkedIn, that scares me. So put my mind at ease that you're not going to get destroyed by LinkedIn. Hmm. What happens if they cut you off? Yeah. Cut us off. <laughs> um they identify the bots and shut you down. Yeah, well, is that not going to happen, and why? 
We're not really uh, scraping LinkedIn in an automated way that would kind of say like, oh, that would break the normal flow of somebody's But work. you are automating, going to profiles on LinkedIn, emailing people, you are automating that process. Yeah, we're working and on LinkedIn that. And yeah. LinkedIn has police that are looking at that and identifying it as, as a way to identify automation, which they don't like. So what are you doing to bulletproof yourself from LinkedIn's monitors? You need to cap or basically um, you cannot give people weird superpowers on LinkedIn, right? Like send a message to a thousand people, right? So you need to cap their actions. So basically that in a way, yes, there is an automated software run, like doing the work, but it cannot do more than I would normally do in a day's, you know, kind of uh, in normal, like, you know, work day. So you don't want to break LinkedIn, right? It's it's more about playing by the rules and automating the stuff that, you know, okay, I, I need to like message a hundred people that would take me like two hours. I can run the script that does that for me, but I, it's not like I'm going to do it in like one minute, right? That's the part uh, if that goes into direction. So you're doing as much as you can to look like a human connected yes. to someone's individual LinkedIn account so that you don't get flagged. That's what you okay. need to do. and. Uh, all right. And also, you don't want to enable spam, right? That break, like that, just breaks the industry for everybody. What's your plan? What's your plan B if they do cut you off? Uh, there are actual alternative sources. I mean, as you see, right, high reasons uh, of this world and seekouts. Uh, there are alternative ways, and actually, you know, we if if you kind of look at the outbound recruitment funnel, right? There's the lead gen slash getting the people's profiles, then reaching out to them, and then conversion, and we see LinkedIn as a great source of profile data, but there are others, right, who are actually actively working to replace LinkedIn. So you don't have to reach out through LinkedIn to be able to have a conversation with this individual. So therefore, it's not going to prod LinkedIn to say you're a bad player. Totally get it. Okay. So yep. on the actual website itself, it says pick the best matches without opening each profile, go beyond LinkedIn search filters, yada, yada, yada. This is all focused around AI and scoring each profile. So a couple of questions. Who parses and matches these candidates? Is it a, a technology partner that, that, that you have or is it your IP? So I'll be, you know, full disclosure, this is a pilot feature right now we're working on with a couple of pilot customers. What we are essentially doing is imagine a workflow where I've you know, let's say I've used LinkedIn's filters to have a list of uh, 200 potential matches. Right? I, I, t I totally get it. That's not my question. Yeah. My question is, are you using a partner to help you yes. do that or have you built the IP? Uh, we haven't built it. We're actually uh, uh, leveraging GPT from OpenAI. Okay. That's, that's, what, I, that's yeah. what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. who audits the scoring algorithm? Um, in terms of legal audit or in terms of the actual output? The actual scoring mechanism, right? So if you if you think about it, Amazon had a ha, had an algorithm that went crazy that just kicked all the females to the curb, right? Because of its oh, yeah, learning, yeah. the behavioral learning, right? What's to stop your algorithm from giving white dudes 100% and no, 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 females 50%? Okay. No, I... <laughs> That what's the auditing answer there? Yeah. This is the, if you're working with an algorithm, especially when you're talking about open AI or what have you, this shit could go off the rails really quick. So what do you do to audit it to ensure that, that does not happen? We actually don't enable the uh, algorithm to do the full audit the way you describe it. It's mostly about uh, scorecarding and saying, answering questions for me, like, 
hey, please check if this person is also a freelancer at the same time. Please check if they're, you know, uh, they, they have like a PHP on their skills, but it was used only in university. And just go in and give me that information. And mm-hmm. it's not the AI that makes decisions. So we're not doing this, you know, basically like, hey, AI, go out and find the people. And then, yeah, you get into all sorts of really bad business. It's more right. about just look at it, look at each profile and give me specific things that I'm looking for so I can take the decision then. Okay. Well, when you say use AI to score each profile on your website, you might not want to say that if that's not exactly what's happening now. Point taking. Thanks. <laughs> yes. I mean, think about what you're actually saying to the people, right? And the perspective ramifications that are going to smack you square in the face. So yeah. is the attract and engage product um, where you generate and send personal messages for each candidate, is that a product of open AI as well? Uh, yes. So we're, what we're doing there, again, working on the pilots uh, in the with the same customers is that um, we are looking at ways, again, not replacing recruiters, not automating everything, but having somebody's profile and having the hyper job page, right? We know the requirements. Right. And then combining those, leveraging GPT to write a good intro message. But okay. again, we're basically giving them a first draft of like, hey, do you like this? Then use it. If not, you can always rewrite. It's not about like okay. completely replacing the recruiters. Gotcha. So are you going direct to companies on this? Or are you trying to actually partner with staffing companies and or other tech companies to, to partner so that you can get penetration into their portfolio? Are you going direct? Or are you trying to go through partnership? Um, we're doing, well, yeah, one is going directly for the internal sourcing recruitment teams. Um, we're mm-hmm. also... Uh, starting to work with a couple of agencies who are partners in recruitment uh, okay. to see whether that partnership model works, where they, you know, they, they use the product and they onboard their uh, customers. Okay. So what are you focusing on um, from a total addressable market when we're talking about geography? What is your, your, your focal area for geography? Um, yeah, two of them, actually. Um, one is the East Coast right now in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And the other is the UK and Scandinavia, because these are English speaking markets uh, in specific niches, right? Specifically tech, because that's where the talent shortage still is very much available. You talked about agencies getting this in front of them. What's been their response? A mixed, I will be frank. Um, some of them, the more progressive ones who you can see they're happy to adopt new tools are quite excited. And they're like, yep, sure. Let's have a trial. Let's get the candidate feedback. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then there's also um, a more, I would say, a traditional business uh, who says, hey, we've been in this, you know, we're doing this for 25 years and we know how it's done and mm-hmm. all is going well. And no, thanks. <laughs> Got it. And uh, so agencies makes me think that you're targeting larger companies. What does a what does a client usually look like? And particularly location wise, you're in Europe. Are most of your clients European? What size companies or who would you like to be in the in the portfolio? Talk about what the ideal client looks like. Yeah, it's a bit of a smorgasbord, to be frank. Uh, So on one end, we have the German unicorn, Personio, which is an HR tech company itself. Uh, They are using, their entire sourcing team is using uh, Hyperjob for more than a year now. So they're like a perfect customer. They have a lot of open positions. They do their own sourcing. They're very tech-driven, analytics-driven. Really good. Uh, here in the Nordic region, we have a, uh, um, a global service center for one of the major banks and their IT team is using this. So they need to hunt. 
right? So it's a completely different sector, but a similar need. So yeah, <laughs> that's like a couple. I guess I'm looking for are these enterprises that you need? Are these you know can the can the solo recruiter leverage your oh, yeah. tool? Um, what what does that look like? I don't need specific yeah. companies, but generally, yeah, all the way like you know to start with these you know thousands of people all the way down to the single yeah. recruiter or down to yeah. a I don't know a, a, a startup a scale up with just okay. a couple of people anywhere in the where, world you know, or English English based? Do you do other languages uh, or? Yeah, we do German as well. Uh, we implemented yeah. Swedish, uh, so it's we're just like you know the, the they're hunting for people in the Western world mostly. But we don't see us as like geography kind of constricted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your TAM is large. It's it's restricted only by how fast you can add languages to it. Yeah, pretty much. Another threat, uh, in addition to the LinkedIn uh, police, I think the advent of video and automation, right? Like, so recruiters don't actually have to do the follow-up, right? Bots can have a conversation through in-mail or whatever. Is that in your roadmap for the product that you're building? Uh, Will it always be a human sort of mediation product? Uh, Talk about taking humans out of the equation or not. I think, yes, we have thought about this quite a lot. Um, The idea is... Uh, I'm going to sound pretty corny, but you want to automate the tedious and kind of personalize the meaningful. So yes, a true human connection. uh, I think we shouldn't take that out of the equation, but things like scheduling, answering factual questions, uh, you know, emailing back and forth, a lot of that can be automated. Um, So again, in the context of inbound, I think this automation will come much faster because then job seekers are you know, they want something from the companies. In the outbound space, when you're trying to sell, I, you know, candidates feel it very fast if you're, you know, being spammy or being like automating the process. So you want to keep this uh, level of control. You want to leverage AI to, let's say, write the first message, but you want to check it anyway, right? You want to have that conversation. So we're not going for a full 100% like replace your recruiter, uh, you know, in the next couple of years, definitely. But to make them more efficient, to make them actually have more time to speak to people. Yeah. That's what we'd like. Chad, I don't know about you, but this sounds really fucking expensive. Uh, Giannis, Ooh. talk about your pricing structure. <laughs> uh, right now we're charging uh, 249 per recruiter seat per month. Um, yeah. The experimental features, uh, we're still deciding on the pricing together with the first customers because yeah, we need to actually pinpoint the value there. Plus, we need to pay GPT for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The non-answer answer. I love it. All right. Giannis, are you prepared to face the firing squad? Uh, yes, I'm all zen and ready to face the squad. All right, Chad, get him. <laughs> oh, my God, Giannis. I got to tell you, man, I love automation. I love the idea of taking the mundane tasks away from recruiters so that they can actually provide more white glove type of, of time and experience to, to, to job seekers. I love the opportunity of giving the job seeker a much better user experience and providing better conversions. I love killing the candidate black hole, which we've suffered for, for, for decades. So I, at the end of the day, I really love what you guys are doing. Here, here, here are the aspects. Here's where the butt comes in. Timing, which is not great. And, and you said that, not just from a funding standpoint. If you were doing this two years ago, for many aspects, you'd be ahead of the curve. Today, you're not. Vision, I believe we need 
pretty jobs. Okay. I, I, I believe we need that. I, I totally do. It's a better experience with better conversions, but people won't take 20 minutes to create a single microsite or they will just half-ass it, right? That's the problem. They just won't take the time to do it, which we've seen for decades in HR, which is why this hasn't worked in the past. Leaning heavily on LinkedIn is never a good strategy. Leaning heavy on Twitter or what have you, being able to lean that heavily on any platform, never a good strategy. The business model in itself, I believe, right out of the gate, should be really focused heavily on the staffing side of the house because first and foremost, recruiting is their business. They understand the actual, if they can get better conversions, they get more candidates. And what what are more candidates to them? It's money. That's what they care about, right? If they can do that faster, they can do it quicker, they can blow up margins, that's what matters the most. And they will take the time to actually build those things out. Um, The TAM, you're talking about regionally, US and the UK, pick one, my friend. You don't have enough money to do both. They are two entirely different animals. I will say it again. We speak English, but that doesn't mean a fucking thing, my friend. It doesn't. We are two entirely different animals. The UK staffing market, incredibly different than the US staffing market, right? Same thing on the corporate side versus on both sides of the pond. Uh, And then threats. The biggest threat here is that everybody will be using OpenAI-like tech to pull this off. So these products will become features overnight, and that will be happening incredibly soon. So at the end of the day, I love everything that you're doing, but because of all those reasons, I got to give you a firing squad, my friend. Ouch, ouch, <laughs> ouch. Sorry, Giannis. Sorry, my friend. Oh, man, I've been shot. <laughs> all right, don't, don't, don't roll up in a ball in the corner yet. Uh, it's my turn. All right, so... What I don't like, let's start with that. The bad news first. Chad underscored a lot of that. Look, this feels like a call that we did a time warp uh, 15 years ago, talking about landing pages, pretty jobs, uh, leveraging LinkedIn, maybe not a decade ago, but like the sourcing model is really volatile right now. Uh, relying on LinkedIn is really volatile. Hopefully, you're you're integrating with services where e- your email list or whatever database kind of becoming a hub spot, you know, for recruitment that you're leveraging already existing candidates. I, I feel like that's probably where you're going to have to eventually go. The fancy job descriptions. I do think if the the point is simply this is a brochure online that I can give to someone. That's fine. But people can't rely on this to make a lot of pretty jobs in their database and then leverage standardization. So I think I think you kind of get that. And this is a different uh, different animal. Those are things I don't like overall. Let's get to what I do like. I like your education. You sort of were really humble on that. You're Ivy League educated. You're a smart guy. Your resume and your profile show that. So I, I think you've got the wits wits in you to figure this thing out. You haven't taken really any money, let's be honest, in the big scheme of things. So you have a lot of room to pivot. You have a lot of time to figure it out. I'm guessing your labor costs are really low uh, from where you are. So there's not a lot of pressure to figure it out or go home. I, I do think you'll figure something out. I think the AI side of it, I like the fact that you're talking about chat GPT and open AI. I do think a tool where you push a button, this whole thing automates candidate uh, outreach and you know pretty jobs and video. Maybe you eventually get into. I think I think you'll figure that part out. Most of all, I love the vote of confidence 
from Personio. Talk a lot about them on the show. They've got a lot of money. Clearly, they have backing from uh, investors that believe in what they're doing. And that, my friend, is your payday. Uh, if, if Personio loves you and doesn't write a check in the next 12 to 18 months, then shame on them because they missed the market. And if, if your goal here is to make a product where you make 10x of your investment, I think that is very doable with the money you've taken and the partner that you have apparently built and engaged with. In Personio, there are a lot of other whales in Europe uh, that you can start you know, knocking on the door, I think getting attention just because you have the Personio uh, relationship. So for that, the challenges are still there and they stop me from giving you the full applause. I think you still have some work to do. I think you still have some pivoting to do, maybe some more bridges to, to build. But for that reason, I'm going to give you the golf Yay. clap. The golf awesome. Clap. So not your best day, but maybe not your worst day. How do you feel? Uh, I feel great. I mean, I'd rather uh, get honest, you know, honest output, right? Like honest feedback. I would love to hear, actually look into more of these things that you mentioned now. The, the things that were done 10 years ago in the first wave. Um to actually learn from that. I appreciate the kind words, Joe. It's, you know, I, I don't go around bashing like, hey, Ivy League, yada, yada, to schools and full scholarships. I'll do it know? for you, man. It's all good. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> but yes, uh, I agree. There's still a lot of things we need to figure out. Uh, that's what I'm saying. A lot of pilots we're doing. And uh, yeah, a lot of challenges to overcome in terms of how do we automate the process? How do we make the, the creation easier? So yeah, thanks so much. Sounds, sounds good, man. Well, hopefully in a few years, you can come back on the show Tell Chad to suck it, and you you made a ton of money. And then, and I then hope you, can, you do. You guys can go have gin, uh, gin or whatever they drink. Uh, I'll just take Chad out where you that, are. You know that. Yeah, that, that, and, that, uh, and feed him to the fishes. <laughs> feed him to the fishes for all I care. Be honest, our listeners that want to learn more about you, where would you send uh, them? Hyperjob.io. Soon to be hyperjob.com. I'm sure. Hopefully. With that, Chad, another one is in the can. We out. We out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com.